When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. strike here on visa i'm your host dave ross for the next hour we're going to break down a very interesting card we have over in brazil we've got the return of the black beast Derek lewis going to take on the young heavyweight sensation in jelton almeida going to help break it down with lou finicaro standing by jordan sherwood dan vreeland and reed coon since we last spoke the ufc has been off for a week but boy a lot of changes in the fight game overall. UFC 295, John Jones is out. The fight with Stipe Miocic is off. So we have a new interim heavyweight championship. That'll be Tom Aspinall is going to take on Sergey Pavlovich. That'll be on the undercard, or the main card rather, as a co-main event for UFC 295. So we'll figure out if we've seen John Jones, the last of them in the octagon. Will he be back later on in 2024? We will find out about all those twists and turns. Without further ado, let's be and bring on the man, Lou Finicaro. You can follow him on Twitter as I do, or X as the kids call today, at Gamblu, the host of the About Business Podcast. Lou Finicaro, woo! Lou, we had a week off, and all hell broke loose in the heavyweight division in the UFC. What do you make of Pavlovich and Aspinall? We'll break it down next week here with the rest of the crew. But the fact that Jones and Stipe is off, do you think we'll see that fight in 2024, and do you want to see it? Well, first of all, Dave, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, a lot of developments happening. I don't think anyone would argue that after Jones and Miocic fought and left their gloves in the cage, that this was going to be the fight for the title anyway. Uh, I, I can't predict if they'll fight. I, I don't know how they'll fight. I don't think Stipe has the time. Mm. And and Jones has a, you know, a pectoral muscle isn't anything silly. So, you know, I, I can't tell if they'll fight or not. I would say and I would bet that they don't. I would think things move on without them. Uh, Aspinall shows heart, grit, guts. I'm not sure how much IQ is stepping in on short notice. We're going to break down that fight uh, again. That is a huge development right now in the heavyweight division. Maybe a future champion we're going to see on this card this week in Jailton Almeida, a guy used to be light heavyweight, moving up to heavyweight, and really so far so good for Almeida. is going to take on a guy that's been there, done that, been in there with the best, and Derek Lewis and the Black Beast here. Before we break down this main event here, you have some observations on just the overall card and maybe some ways from a betting angle to attack it because this is what the UFC does. When we're in Brazil, you're going to see a lot of Brazilians on the card. We are. When we see fights from London, we see London fighters in some occasions get favorable matchups. We were just in Abu Dhabi last week and only two underdogs hit, uh, one outsider. So when we look at this card, 13 fights, 13 Brazil versus somebody from another part of the world, nine of the 13 fights have Brazilians as favorites, pretty good favorites. And, uh, most of those favorites, interestingly enough, opened higher than they sit right now, meaning money has come in on almost every occasion against the heavily favored uh, Chalky Brazilian. So it should be very, very interesting to see what happens. But I think you have to begin with the canvas painted to some degree that there's going to be a pro-Brazilian taint after the UFC wants to return to Brazil continue its massive exportation of its product in the heartland of its of its sport brazil 
And I think you're going to have to weed through to find which of the Brazilians may not have such a favorable matchup and which of the outsiders may have uh, an advantage either as an underdog or a slight favorite. To me, that might come more on the undercard, Dave. And again, we're going to get to some of those picks that you have. And I know that you've already put some releases out there in the About Business podcast. But in this main event, when you look at Derek Lewis, and I mean, when this fight was announced, I went, oh, no, like, Derek, you want to fight this kid when we know that the last thing you want to do is have the fight hit the ground. So, again, the handicapping here, Almeida, $5 betting favorite. The comeback right now, the Black Beast is plus 380. Is there any other way than to play this if you want to back the dog side, Derek Lewis via KO? Because I just can't see any possible way that this hits five-round decision and Derek Lewis could win it. Yeah, I don't. I I read it like you uh, do, Dave. You know, I see the one and a half. The under is minus three fifty. Maybe oh. you try and maybe if if you feel the beast is up for it, maybe you see if the fight will start round two when those props come out. But uh, let's just consider this: Almeida one is two thirty one, two thirty two when he hits the cage. The beast struggles, has to cut weight to make two sixty six. Wow. And he's aware that his weakness is on the ground. So uh, if there's a path for the beast, it's to by all means keep the fight standing and keep Almeida off him. Now, when he does that, he creates another issue, and that is that Almeida is smaller, faster, quicker, younger, and he could cut him to ribbons from the outside. I don't know if the beast will be able to catch up to him on the feet. But if you're looking for angles to try and squeeze some value out of this fight, that may be it to see if the beast can make it to round two. Yeah, there you go. Plus money. If you think it can get over a round and a half at plus 275 and the, the, the books are, are they're always sharp. Right. And you really don't get that big of a discount by taking Derek Lewis to win via KOTK or DQ. It's, it's just four to one. And right now he's plus 370. So they've even tightened up those numbers there uh, for any other possible pathway. That being said, it can get dicey uh, for, for method of victory. If we want to back the big favorite here, you don't want to lay that $5 price tag here. KOTK or DQ is plus $1.60. Sub for Almeida, which is a very plausible scenario if he gets Derek Lewis down to the ground, is minus 110. For the fight, just inside the distance, is that the way you'd look at Almeida to shorten it ever so slightly? Dave, I think in this situation, I'd get bold and go to the submission just because I do believe he gets him down. And once he gets him down, he's going to just crawl all over the top of him and, and, and choke him or arm bar him uh, some way. I mean, let's understand if Derek Lewis is able to keep it three, four minutes, even into the second round, he'll gas. He doesn't have a lot of energy after that. And for a large man, he's quite explosive. And when he tries, and he will try, he's not, I mean, he's there to win. He's going to try and catch up to Almeida, but it's going to cost him energy. And I believe it's eventually going to cost him position. And position to me means submission. Lou, let's get to some picks that I know that you already have in the bankroll for Saturday night in Brazil. One of them on the main card, Rodolfo Vieira, going to take on Armin Petrosian. And this is a pretty tightly uh, lined fight here. Are you going to go with the uh, with the non-Brazilian here and look to Petrosian possibly to get his, his arm raised? That, that's exactly what I'm going to do, Dave. And, and I like it because uh, though... Petrosian is relatively singularly dimensioned in that he's a Muay Thai striker and and struggles on the ground. Uh, I like who he's been in with. I like the results and the way I've seen him fight. And the one thing I do believe in him is his conditioning and his preparedness. On the other side, clearly Vieira is going to be prepared to fight in front of the home countrymen. So he's going to be ready to go, but he struggles mightily with gas and he's going to be on fire for the first round. If we can get our boy, our men to get this into the second round, I think the fight really begins to turn towards his favor. I believe he's, he's the larger man that equates to takedown defense. And I think the Brazilians going to have a hard time penetrating the Muay Thai striking of Petrosian. And you you mentioned it there, if he can hold up and whether that storm, the over right now, juice to the over of two and a half rounds here, plus $1.40, 
But again, maybe the tide starts to turn in that second round, Lou, with your handicap there. So maybe look for those live wagering spots here if Vieira comes out like a, a house on fire like he normally does. I want to get to the very first fight on the card because, boy, it's always nice when you can get to any card and get that winner right out of the gate. And uh, Mark Diacase is going to take on Fernandez here, uh, Cali Fernandez. Uh, what do you make of Mark in this spot? Because I'm trying to see the the numbers here again on this one right now. Diacase is a small favorite, not uh, anything out of pocket here at minus dollar 42. Do you think he should be the favorite there? Dave, I think he should be. He has a wealth of experience. If if you look at his fights, you've seen some uh, two losses in his last two fights, but look at who they were against. Dia Casey's extremely athletic. He's extremely skilled. I think he's a dog backed into a corner, and they're giving him a a fighter that's debuting that really comes in from Chuto, Brazil, mm-hmm. has has skill. But I think this has PhD in MMA written all over it. I think Dia Casey has too much experience, too much athleticism, and, and more important, and when we get to the fighting, too much wrestling. I think this is a great spot for Dia Casey, who opened 190, minus 195. There's some money come in on the Brazilian, which is just fine. I'll wait as long as I can and watch that number go as, as low as it'll go before I pounce on Diakese. I believe he has advantage in this fight. Very quickly, I know you don't want to lay a huge favorite. So a lot of times you got Renat Fakratinov here, a massive favorite against uh, Dos Santos in this spot. He's minus 360 here. Is there another way that you want to try to attack this or maybe look to a two-way parlay at some point? Yes, I, I, I really, uh, I'd like to have parlayed into him previously, yeah. which I've which I've done, but if you look at this card and you look at specifically on the main event, there's there's some heavy chalk. I would say if you took him with the taller of the Bon Fiends, uh, which which is uh, Gabriel uh, Gabriel Bonfim, perhaps to Farik to Renat, for lack of being able to pronounce his last name, that may be a way to go. Uh, but I, I I'm very uh, convinced that Renat wins this fight against a guy in Elysia Dos Santos that's skilled, but he's well older. He's at the edge of his uh, fighting career and really needs to strike lightning to beat this Russian vice grip. Yeah, Fakratinov doesn't roll off the tongue. Very quickly, 20 seconds to go. Tell the people about the sneak tape that you have in the Bout Business podcast. We're doing a quick 10-minute opening line report every Monday. Check gamblue.com for details. Thanks so much for having me on, Dave. Always enjoy the conversation, and I hope you enjoyed the World Series, Lou. We heard you were there. Uh, When we come back, going to Chicago, catch up with Jordan Sherwood next. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Do not forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this week, new customers can bet just $5. Pocket 200 and bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every single day. Download the app. Use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown kids. It's all yours. Let's go out to the great city of Chicago, where we are joined each and every week by Jordan Sherwood. You can follow him on X at Woodon ESPN 1000. Jordan, how is the summer in Chicago going? It is snowing. Snowing! It has started to <laughs> snow on Halloween uh, as we're recording this. Uh, yeah, it's awful. It was 70 last week. feel terrible. But yes, winter is here. Not coming. Winter is here. I don't miss that. Uh, let's get to <laughs> this fight card down in Brazil, Jordan. And again, just had Lufa Nicaro on. I think you guys are in unison. Very first fight of the day to get this thing started. Small favorite here, Mark Diakese. Do you think he should be a, a much bigger favorite? I think he's he's right in line with where he should be. Maybe you, you slightly favor him a little bit more based on his experience, based on uh, the, you know the wrestling that he's going to be able to kind of like rely on if it needs to be. And I think it's recency bias too. Obviously, he took a, a pretty difficult loss and hasn't looked great. But I think that that's where he's he's got the advantage. That Fernandez's boxing is 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 not as strong as I think maybe people would would agree. And I think the Akaisi could could match him on the feet. And then you know as this fight gets to the ground uh, or gets into the later rounds, we we question Fernandez's gas tank. I don't know if it's as good as as people think it is because. Prior to his, you know, last couple of wins, which had been inside the distance very early in his regional fights, it's a guy that has struggled into the later rounds. See, Casey's been there before. He's been there with some of the best uh, that the UFC has has to offer. So I like him right now where he is at like that dollar sixty price. I see advantages on the feet, a clear advantage on the ground, and via experience. So you might as well grab him. I think before the public recognizes that uh, and that and that value, uh, at least on him currently. Uh, goes down. Yeah, and right now still even down at dollar forty-two that we're seeing here in DraftKings. So pretty good value today. But of course, once they see this, Jordan, they're going to run to the window and start betting on Mark Diakese, and that number is going to go up. Uh, also on the uh, on the undercard, whenever you have Overkill Hill, Angela Hill on the card, she's going to take on Denise Gomes here. You only like this if Angela Hill potentially is a dog. Right now, she's a small dog at plus a dollar five. What is that handicap for you? It's like it, there's value there if you're getting plus money on Angela Hill. It, there is, and maybe you could argue that if it's a straight up, you know, pick them. Uh, I like Angela Hill as well. The issue that obviously with Gomes is that you know she's got power, uh, you know, and she's obviously been a spark plug. She showcased that her last couple of appearances inside the UFC after kind of you know flailing a little bit uh, in her UFC debut. Angela Hill's been in there with with the, the the who's who in women's mixed martial arts. We know what Angela Hill does. She strikes with volume. She's got very good cardio and is gonna you know and, and could get into a dogfight if you need to be. I think the issue that maybe the concern that people have is that she got you know beat up pretty bad mm -hmm. in her last couple of fights. Um, but here's the thing: like she's not a fighter to get stopped and not a fighter to get knocked out. She's, you know, elusive enough within her striking uh, and, and fights smart. You know, fights out of danger. So I think, like, look, you, you certainly have confidence that she could go toe to toe and last the three rounds. Can she win the fight? Can she score those significant strikes as we get into rounds two or three? I think that's where the question you have to ask. I don't think this fight's going to the ground in any way, shape, or form. So. For me, a fighter that's been there, done that, I've seen her go three rounds, I've seen her go five rounds, and I've seen her never get knocked out. Uh, I like her against a fighter that probably getting a little bit more momentum because uh, of how she's performed with those with those early stoppages and the power that she has, but I don't have confidence that Gomes could go into the later round. All right, so again, via decision for Angela Hill, really not that big a difference. Would you nibble at that at plus a dollar twenty-five for Hill via decision, or just take the plus money at plus a dollar five in case she does catch Denise with something? No, you know, I, I don't think she, I don't think that that we're going to see that from Angela Hill. I mean, certainly she's a well-versed fighter, but I, I I like what you're I'm picking up what you're putting down. Uh, the the decision prop is certainly probably a little bit more value. That's how Angela Hill wins fights. That's how she likely would win this fight. 
if you're on the hillside. So I like that via decision just to add a little bit more value to the to the, the Angelo Hill side of things. Yeah, there it is. Plus dollar twenty five. I'm with you. I think that's the way to go if you're going to be on the Angelo Hill side. Let's get to the co-main event here. Because I can't believe this. When you look at uh, Gabriel Bonfim, massive favorite over Nicholas Dalby, you think, do we have a live dog scenario for the guy that's 12 years the senior of the young undefeated fighter in uh, Bonfim? Yeah, it, it, there is. And, and here's here's the reason that I believe that. Yes, Bonfim looks like a phenom, 15-0, and 0, all of his you know win streaks and all the submissions that he's had. But A... He hasn't shown me yet that he could, you know, do win a fight and win it striking. He's got to get the fight to the ground and look for a submission. Uh, B, Nicholas Dalby in his 27 mixed martial arts fights, never been submitted. Very good takedown defense. And a guy that's like, you know, he, he's seen a lot. You know, he's seen a lot in the regional scene and obviously a couple of stints now in the UFC. Plus the fact he's won three fights in a row. And, I, I, you know, I, I think, again, you know, probably Bon Fiem's the, the right side to be on. If you could find a value in a submission prop, good for you. But he's way till a favorite. I, I, I don't buy the Brazilian, you know, home crowd being a factor. Dalby's been everywhere in, in his mixed martial arts career. So a guy that's going to, I think, have an advantage on the feet is as tough as nails and a guy that's never been submitted and has been in there with some very good grapplers, uh, probably set the you know, skill for skill with Bonfim. Uh, I'm, if I'm on any side, straight up money line, I'm on the Dalby side because I've seen him cash before as an underdog. So you're not concerned, potentially three-round fight, that if it goes to the cards, he doesn't get a favorable decision being in Brazil? Oh, no, come on. We could re- we play all these episodes. We know how the judging in Brazil goes. I mean, we could even talk about Abu Dhabi last week right. as well. So, yeah, I am in, I'm very big concerned if it goes there. But certainly, look, if, if you if you got Bonfim trying to get takedowns, Dalby's keeping on the feet, scoring a little bit, who knows what could happen? The thing, the, the look at it is like I just don't think it, it, he's not a six-dollar favorite, and I don't think there's going to be value uh, with him via submission. So Dalby has to be the side for me. Let's talk it about the other Bond theme in here. Another uh, big favorite, not as big uh, as we see there with Gabriel, but he's going to be taking on from hell Vince Pichel. Mom's not going to like that nickname. I love it. It's one of the best in MMA. But again, we've got a, a lot of this, right? Where the Bonfims, they're taking on these older guys that have kind of been there, done that, like a Vince Pichel has. And you look at Vince here in that mustache, plus 380 against uh, Ishmael, who's minus $5, is the, both Bonfims, again, just overvalued in your estimation? I, I do. I think, yeah, and Bonfim, he looked great, you know, when he was in Brazil last against Terrence McKinney, uh, you know, survived that first round, knocked him on the second round, but then... Step up in competition, Benet Saint Denis. You know, you, you know, he put him out of there, put him out of there rather quickly. Uh, you know, Pichel's going to give him the fight that he wants, you know, a, a stand-up fight. Uh, I, I think that you know, certainly he he he's well versed, could, could get this fight to the ground, has strong cardio. And I ask this, I, I just don't think that Bomb Theme, the five fights uh, that Pichel has just had in a row, Madsen, Hubbard, Miller, Roosevelt, Roberts, uh, Gregor Gillespie. You know, he went three and two of those fights. I'm not sure Bomb Theme goes better than that to be honest with you. So I think the level of competition, uh, the fact that Pichel's going to, you know, not a guy that I think is going to be threatened by Bonfim's striking. Again, worth a heavy look. And I understand that there's a risk. There's a risk, obviously, with a lot of these Brazilian fighters being on the card. You alluded to it earlier, you know, questioning the judging scorecards. But I think with Pichel and, and Dalby, it's no disrespect to the Bonfim family, probably not going to get invited to any Thanksgiving dinners uh, at their house. But <laughs> I think both dogs are the side here just because of stylistic matchup, the veteran. I'm not holding a lot of water uh, of the age gap. And I think in particular in this case, Pichel's going to give Bonfim the fight he wants. Uh, and I, I don't think Pichel's going to be threatened in any way, shape or form. All right. Britton has does a great job producing this show. He gives me a rundown every week. And in this one, it just says Almeida via violence. That's your official call in the main event. Could you please explain yourself, sir? Well, look, I, we love Derek Lewis. We love the Black Beast. You know, credit to credit for its due for taking this fight on short notice. Gives him an opportunity to come right back into discussion, the heavyweight division. But I think Jaltine Almeida uh, Almeida special. Uh, I think there's a reason why he's showcasing and headlining this card. And we know Lewis just just terrible off of his back. Really can't get up. I think Almeida only needs one takedown to get it, to get the fight where he wants it and get a quick submission. So 
Uh, as long as Almeida, uh, you know, uh, avoids that that overhand right from Lewis, this fight's going to be a wash. So uh, maybe it's not like a violence, but I, like I, I can't text Britain Almeida on the money line. That's not sexy or anything <laughs> like that. So it's Almeida inside the distance, probably in round one via submission. So let's just call it violence because we're recording this again on Halloween. If there was a prop for Almeida via violence, I would play it, Jordan, just in your honor. Only about 30 seconds ago, unnamed MMA podcast in Chicago. Don't know if you've mentioned it at all. Uh, have you already thought about what this heavyweight matchup is going to look like at UFC 295 now that it's a replacement uh, interim title? Yeah, look, I like Sergey Pavlovich on the money line. I still don't trust, uh, you know, uh, Tom Aspinall off of his ACL. He looked great, obviously, against Tybura, you know, in his return. But Pavlovich is a different beast. So I think at the money line plus money right now, he's worth a look. We're going to talk a lot about that in the coming week. When we come back, on to Boston next with Dan Vreeland on First Strike. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Start your morning with VEASAN's newest podcast, VEASAN Daily Morning Bets. Josh Shapovon gives you every piece of info you need to be ready for betting the day's biggest games in just 15 minutes. He discusses line movements, injuries, and what you need to be looking at before you make those wagers. So make VEASAN Daily Morning Bets part of your podcast and part of your morning routine. Download, subscribe wherever you get said pods. A man who knows all about podcasts is the one and only Dan Vreeland up in Boston. You can follow him on X as I do, at Gumby Vreeland. And Dan, before I get to the question I love to start off everything with, I'm sure on your plethora of pods and platforms here in the MMA space, we had a week off, but did we? Because UFC 295 just got all blown up, just like UFC 294 got blown up. What do you make of the changes? And I wonder if you ever think we'll see John Jones and Stipe Miocic ever in some sort of quasi-heavyweight championship match in 2024. I mean, I, I don't know if we will or we won't, but I will say that I think the withdrawal is actually good for business. Mm. Uh, while, while, like, at the end of the day, John Jones and Stipe is probably going to sell much better. I don't think anybody out there was trying to fool themselves that those are the two best heavyweights in the world. And, like, the, the fact that when John Jones fell, fell out that Stipe didn't stay in the matchup, I mean, that's further proof that that was not the right contender for the number one contendership. He's just the right guy for John Jones to like ride off into the sunset having beaten. So like, 
it was a fun money match. But at the end of the day, Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Pavlovich is infinitely more compelling to me. Excellent take. I think you're right on. And I know we're not calling you casuals out there, but for those that don't exactly consume it like we might consume it, it is a better heavyweight matchup, albeit for the interim championship now as the co-main event for UFC 295. Okay, let's get to this fight card down in Brazil, Dan. You know I'm going to ask you this, and I love to ask you it each and every week. Your favorite fight to watch and your favorite fight to wager on. So my favorite fight to watch is going to be the co-main event. Nicholas Dalby versus Gabriel Bonfim. I am mostly just excited to see Bonfim get a step up in competition. Mm. I've been a big Gabriel Bonfim fan since he was on the regional scene. I think he's got tons of potential. And giving him a guy who likes to stand in his face and throw bombs in Nicholas Dalby and, and has a high output and is going to take the best out of him. I really like what that's going to do. And hopefully he, he rises to the occasion. The fight that I'm most excited to bet on, this one's super easy. Angela Hill is plus money, and I can't believe Angela Hill is plus money against Denise Gomes. I know people are super hyped on Denise Gomes after she scored some sweet knockouts, and she did look really good in those knockouts. She knocked out Bruno Brazil, somebody who I'm super high on. But the fact of the matter is, first of all, Angela Hill, damn near impossible to knock out, Mm -hmm. not particularly hard to hit. And we're talking about Denise Gomes, somebody who got outpointed by Loma Lukabume, who is a much smaller, less physical fighter than Angela Hill only a few fights ago, right? Like Denise Gomes did not start her UFC career, you know, just throwing haymakers and knocking people out. So she started with having a tough time for 15 minutes with Loma. So if you're telling me she can't outpoint Loma Lukabume if she's only the knockout power. I don't think she's going to get the knockout on Angela Hill. And the fact that you can get, you know, plus 105 on Angela Hill right now, uh, man, that's a steal to me. Let me ask you this, though, Dan, because I do. And I'm always look when you have a fight card in Brazil, you wonder if it does hit the judges scorecards. Here we go again. Right. You can get Angela Hill plus a dollar twenty five to win via decision here. Does that worry you at all? Because sometimes I say, man, we got to remember. And I know we do in the betting market where these fights are taking place when we go to a fighter that we believe more than likely is going to hit the cards. Yeah, I would say I worry a little bit about her being in Brazil. I also just worry a little bit about her being Angela Hill because she (laughs) seems plagued by having split decisions for her entire career. I know sometimes the props come out a little bit later in the week and and they're probably not out yet, but taking either side via split decision would probably be a sweet play um, because I would... I would imagine Angela Hill could dominate this fight for three rounds and a Brazilian judge could still give one of them to uh, Denise Gomes. So I'd say either of them by split, but I would also just say in general, like I think Angela Hill is going to outpoint her in a, uh, a severe enough fashion that we don't have to worry about the judges messing this up too bad. And let's get to the fight you can't wait to watch. And Nicholas Dalby, a massive underdog here in the co-made event against Gabriel Bonfim, as you alluded to here, uh, well over $4, plus 440 at some places. Bonfim still undefeated. You got to lay six to one if you want to back the Brazilian here. We know that Dalby's going to be, he's an exciting fighter to watch, certainly in a firefight. What style of fight? Is it going to be just bombs away here for three rounds? You know, I, I kind of hope that what this does is it forces Gabriel Bonfim to like throw for a little bit and then realize, you know, like maybe some of the better parts of his game are his grappling because, you know, like, like, like I said, he can stand and trade with a lot of people. I've had faith in him standing and trading with a lot of people for a long time, but the smarter play here is to get Dolby grappling and to get Dolby tired and to look for those submissions. I would like to see him do a little bit of that. I think he's a little bit unpredictable, which is probably the thing that makes him the most exciting. But if I was looking for a way to make that negative 600 look a little bit nicer, I'd probably just play it safe and stay inside the distance or play on the unders because like, I think this fight is going to end before the bell. I don't think Dolby is going to survive three rounds with him. I do just think he's able to mix it up well enough that like it worries me a little bit. So that under one and a half at plus money looks pretty good there. Uh, and, and or the over is on plus money. So that under is, you know, just barely juiced a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then I would probably look for like, you know, the inside the distance prop. Let's get to the other Bonfim brother in this one. And Ishmael Bonfim, I think Gabriel's looked at as maybe the better, longer prospect as the, their careers go. But he's also a sizable favor against from Helvin's uh, Pichel here in this matchup. Again, it's very similar to the co-main. We got a younger, uh, the Bonfim brothers, much younger, 27 against the guy now at 40 in Pichel. What do you make of this matchup here? I love the line on Pichel. 
I think Vince Michelle is a really smart underdog play here. Now, if you told me gun to your head, pick the winner of this fight, you know, like I'm probably still leaning with Ishmael, but only ever so slightly. I think she's, he's getting juiced up way too high, mostly just because he's Gabriel's brother, but we saw what happened to him in his last fight. He got beat by a guy who can wrestle. What is one thing we know Vince Michelle can do mm. wrestle and not get tired. Um, and if you look at Vince Michelle's losses, you can pretty much go right down the list in all of his losses. He's losing two guys who can out wrestle him. I don't think that's true of Ishmael Bontim. I don't think he's got the wrestling of a Gregor Gillespie or the arm triangle even of a Gregor Gillespie. You know, like those are the people out there beating Vince Michelle. I don't think that's Ishmael. I want to get to a fight that I haven't discussed yet in the program. It's Kai of Ohio against Abus Magomedov here. Magomedov over a $2 betting underdog. We know about Ohio and kind of where I think he could go in this marketplace, right? Very marketable fighter. I know they'd love him to shine in this middleweight bout. Is there danger working against Abus in this fight? So I think there's obviously danger in the power, right? Abuzna Magomedov in his very first fight comes out, gets that insanely fast knockout, then goes and fights Sean Strickland. So we've got this like wide level of variation on him, right? It's like we know when he fights, I'm not going to say bumps, but when he fights the lower <laughs> level fighters in the UFC, right? He has no problem and can knock them out in 10 seconds. When he fights the middleweight champion of the world, mm. he can't deal with that pressure. He can't deal with that pace. He can't deal with that cardio. And so I, it's hard to say what happens in between there, right? Because Cabo Ohio is somewhere in between the worst and the best in the division. I tend to think he's closer to the best. And I think he's a bad matchup for Megamedoff because, first of all, he brings that grappling and that wrestling that has boded really well for him so far in the UFC. And Megamedoff showed in his last fight pace, somebody being in your face tires him out. I also think we just haven't really seen Kaibo Ohio tagged by anybody. And granted, the level of his competition, definitely lower than Abus Magomedov as well. But like, he's safe when it comes to his wrestling. He's safe when it comes to his striking. He does things that are not particularly risky. So I think we're going to see this fight on the mat pretty early. And even if not on the mat, up against the cage enough that Abus is going to have a lot of trouble with the cardio in the second and third round. Yeah, that fight against Strickland, what an eye-opener, because Magomedov, if, if memory serves, was a small favorite in that fight, and boy, he did not look ready at all for the likes of Sean Strickland. It's going to be interesting, again, in Brazil against Kaya Bohaya. Let's get to the main event. Derek Lewis, he's not scared of anybody. We know that. The beast is ready to roll at all times. Cardio might be another issue. Now you got a guy in Jelton Almeida, and my goodness, you don't want the fight to hit the ground. If it does, it just feels like it's over. Lewis has been in there with guys like that before. The, the, uh, the Curtis Blades fight comes to mind. Can he, can he do what he did against Blades and stuff enough and then find that uppercut that ended that night early? Is there a puncher's chance for the Black Beast? I think he's got to get it on the first shot. Um, and the problem with the first shot against Jelton Almeida is it's usually only 10 seconds away. Mm. If you look at how long it took him to shoot a takedown in each of his first, I think we're five or six fights now into his UFC career, the longest time it has ever taken him to shoot a takedown is 14 seconds. Wow. And so like, if you think that Derek Lewis is going to stuff a lot of takedowns, he might get a little bit more time, but those attempts are coming right away. Jelton is not shy about what he likes to do. Now, that, of course, could mean that he's a little bit on the predictable side for, you know, Derek Lewis to try to time one of those. But I really think we're going to see Jelton hit that takedown. His top control is really good. I think you're going to see him get an arm triangle, you know, within the first minute and a half of this fight. 20 seconds to go. Tell the people where they can find you. All the areas. Uh, yeah, check me out on the Top Turtle MMA podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, both in writing and their pod MMA podcast. Dan, appreciate you as always, my friend. Cash some tickets. We'll catch up again next week. Going to Washington, D.C. next with Reed Goo when you come back with us right here on First Strike. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We continue this edition of First Strike by going to the nation's capital, and we are joined once again by Reed Kuhn, the author of the book, Fightnomics. You can follow him on X at the same title, at Fightnomics. Reed, I like to do this every so often. And by the way, shirt of the year candidate there, dad to the bone. Pretty awesome for Halloween here as we record this on a Tuesday. Uh, I want to ask, for those that are new to our show, right, and they might not know Fightnomics and what the whole concept is behind it. Could you just kind of explain to the, the newer viewers that we have exactly how this was done, the data-driven base that you've created for the UFC and, and MMA? Yeah, well, the, the numbers came along a, a little over a decade ago and actually started quantifying everything that happens in a fight, both from a discrete point of view, like how many times was a strike thrown, how many takedowns were attempted, but also in terms of time and position. So you're measuring who's on top, how long did they stay there? Did they try a submission? Uh, what are they doing on the ground? What are they doing in the clinch? You know, who's in control? Who's who's up against the fence? Uh, so the benefit of having all this data is that we now understand what is normal, what is unusual, what is the average? What is the average by weight class? And then we can zero in very quickly and say, hey, this guy is clearly good in this way or he is deficient in this other way. And that allows us to identify some of those openings and opportunities uh, offensively and defensively. Love it. It's great stuff. And uh, we appreciate your insights each and every week. When you get to the main event, you've got a guy in jail to Almeida who was a light heavyweight. And we've discussed this many times uh, through the years now about this. And then you go up to heavyweight and it looks like a seamless transition here so far for Almeida, right? So he's going to be much lighter than his opponent here in the Black Beast and Derek Lewis. Lewis pushing about 264. He's got a cut to make the weight sometimes. Almeida's kind of that blown up white heavyweight. What are the data points showing you here? Should Almeida be as big a favorite as he is? And right now, Reed, that's a $5 betting favorite. Yeah, so this is like the ultimate striker versus grappler in a <laughs> sloppy heavyweight sense. Um, you know, we, we've seen this type of matchup many times, and it's hard to pick who's going to have the advantage strategically. Uh, but Derek Lewis obviously only has a chance if he is able to throw some leather uh, or some knees. Either way, he needs to be standing, whereas Almeida is finishing everyone on the mat in short order. And so his his actual stats look 
extreme, you know, not believable in the long run, but with only 25 minutes of, uh, not even 25 minutes of fight time so far in the UFC, he keeps finishing people too quickly to amass much data. Derek Lewis has been around forever, and even some of his fights will get out of the first round. Uh, but they they back up what we're saying. They back up that Lewis is definitely the striking threat. Almeida doesn't even really use striking offensively. He uses it almost as a distraction just to set up the takedown. The guy only spends four seconds out of each round standing at a distance with an opponent. That means he wastes no time at all closing the distance, even if it's to get you up against the fence and eventually get you down or to shoot for that takedown. So these are extreme metrics that you don't normally see, but they paint the picture of this fight will be interesting as long as they are staring at each other from a distance. As soon as it gets to the ground, I believe this will be over. And yes, Almeida should be a heavy favorite. He should be the one getting the finish on the ground. He just can't make a mistake like uh, Marcos Rogerio de Lima mm. did against Lu- uh, against Lewis just in that last fight. Well, there you go. That was the flying knee for everybody that was on the de Lima side. And Lewis was the big underdog that cashed that night as he came in. And, and, and Lewis said after the fight, It wasn't like a trick or a plan. It just kind of happened, and then all of a sudden, boom, there goes that flying switch kick and, and, you know, switches to the right knee, and and a knockout happens there. So barring something like that, and again, I go back to the Curtis Blades fight where he was able to stuff those takedowns a little bit to have the time to be able to get that uppercut off. The books aren't even giving you that big of an, an advantage. It's only four to one for Lewis to win via KO. It's plus 370 overall. So I think even the books realize he's only got one shot, and that shot is, is a lucky, I don't want to call it lucky like Delima, but something something in that manner. Yeah, they they know what is we're seeing in the numbers and what we're seeing when we watch the highlight reel. That's the only way Lewis wins here. Uh, he could still do it. I mean, it's not a non-zero probability. You know, you're talking like one in five. Um, but I think you might get slightly better value if you just take Almeida in the first round. I think that would be my best possible play. Otherwise, there's a lot of parlay, you know, fodder yeah. to choose here. You know, fight does not go the distance under 1.5. Almeida to win overall. I'll have to see where the props come in because not all of them have been released in my market yet. And so I haven't been looking at them that closely, but Almeida round one or Almeida by submission might be the only way to make this affordable. Minus submission by uh, by submission rather is a minus dollar minus dollar 10 right now. The under by the way is juiced heavily to your point, Reed. Uh, you still have to lay over $3 here. If you want to play the under a round and a half in that potential five round matchup, by the way, if you really think somehow we're going to see zombie apocalypse and we go all five, 14 to one is what you get without picking a winner that this fight goes the distance. I don't see that happening. Crazier things have happened, but that would be crazy. Let's get some of the fights that you like on this card that you've already seen. Maybe there's some value there. Renat Fakratinov is a rather sizable favorite here. Minus 360 against Zaleski Dos Santos. And uh, right now, Dos Santos plus 285 we're seeing on the comeback. Are the numbers backing Fakratinov here as that big sizable favorite? They are. And like Almeida, we have a guy with very limited sample size, but his numbers are extremely impressive. So both striking and grappling, Renat is a monster. He is knocking people down. He's landing with great accuracy. He has excellent defense when he's on the feet. And then he has a very aggressive ground game where he's been essentially flawless on the ground uh, in terms of controlling people and getting them down. So to me, I look at this, you know, that's a limited resume. So clearly he's been very successful in those few fights so far. Uh, but Dos Santos, I got to stack him up and say, you know, can he compete with someone truly talented? And I think he has a better resume. He did lose some time due to PEDs and he mm-hmm. came off suspension. Uh, so that's a red flag of, you know, are some of his metrics from back then really believable? Because he actually does have a pretty good fight roster in terms of people he's beaten. Uh, but he does have liabilities. He's not as technical a striker. He's a little bit sloppier. He's not as accurate, doesn't have good defense. He's been dropped five times. Uh, that's a big liability against someone who's very aggressive in their striking. And his ground game is not particularly impressive. Only 37% of his time is actually in ground control. So, uh, you know, an aggressive wrestler is going to be able to take him down and hold him there. So I just see a lot of angles to victory for Renat. Um, and, you know, the, the line based on the sample size of stats, I think my models are kind of baking that in. It's it's saying urge a little bit of caution because this is not a lot of data to work with. 
but it is clearly favorable. So I do agree with him as a big favorite. Probably not enough to lay juice. I might be looking for another prop angle, like with Almeida, of a finish, um, or just you know using this guy as yet another parlay leg on a few of these chalky matchups. You know, in real time, I'm watching and my screen starts to flash a little bit on the Rodrigo Nascimento Dantel Mays fight. And Mays right now is plus a dollar fifty-four. Nascimento minus a dollar eighty-five. Do you think there might be some value on the Mays side here that the data's showing? Yeah, I, I see this as uh, a lot of back and forth when I was looking at this between these heavyweights. Uh, you know, one of them is a little bit better in one area and the other one complements it. Um, not a ton of ground action. I think Nascimento is clearly the more likely guy to get ground control. And that's a that's a concern, especially down in Brazil. Uh, you don't want Mays just being a heavyweight lying on his back like a beached whale doesn't know what to do. <laughs> But on the feet, listen, Mays is dangerous, um, you know, and he could drop Nascimento. Nascimento doesn't have any knockdowns to his credit. He's been dropped twice. And in terms of head strike avoidance, power strikes, what is your power strike defense? Nascimento is the worst fighter, arguably, on this entire card with a decent sample size. So he's getting hit a lot. And if you give Mays a few strikes, uh, clean shots, I think he can hurt someone. And so... At plus money, if you're getting plus 150, plus 160 even, maybe even a knockout prop at an even higher price, um, I think there's some value there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be looking at some of those prop angles and see where the price lands because I do think there's upset potential here. Yeah, went from plus $1.60 to plus $1.54 in the manner of our uh, – during the time of our conversation. So they're picking up what you're putting down and your numbers are showing there. Conversely, Angela Hill, he's small underdog right now, just over – we've seen about plus $1.05 right now. In her matchup here, normally that seems to be a green light go sign. Is the data backing Angela Hill, even though she's got to go on the ro- on the road here and fight Gomes in Brazil? Yeah, yet another prospect in Gomes. Uh, very limited sample size, but so far she has looked pretty clean. Uh, she does have much more aggressive wrestling, and so that's a concern. Hill has not spent a lot of time in control. Um, she used to be more of that like Muay Thai straight up striker. And so that's a bit of a liability. But when I see, first of all, there's a 15 year aged gap between these two fighters. That is one of the most extreme in UFC history. <laughs> um, again, that is a red flag. But for a fighter like Hill, who's a veteran, uh, generally has crafty defense and tries to stay out of trouble. I think she can hold her own. I think when I see upset potential or someone who's not quite as should be as big an underdog as she is, I'm leaning towards the over. I think Hill finds a way to stretch this fight. Even though Gomez looks more impressive on paper, I'm not sure I believe those metrics yet. Great stuff, as always, from Reed Kuhn. Cash some tickets. We'll see you next week right back here. First Strike on Visa. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.